Week 7 of the NFL season had just about everything that you could imagine. You know, from blowouts to really close and fun games to watch. We had our first snow game of the season. One of the unbeatens has fallen this week. And we're left with just one. But ladies and gentlemen, this is the fourth and long week NFL recap. This for week 7. Thank you very much for joining us today. I am, of course, your host, Ross Allen. And let's get into things because today we have not only game-by-game action of every single game, all 14 of them from Thursday, from Sunday, and from Monday. We also have our buy or sell segment where I give you five statements of whether we're going to buy that or sell that. And of course, I'm bringing my week eight power rankings. So, like I said, let's get things started off. But before, real quick, what's going to be coming out soon is besides um, some UFC stuff, besides uh, hopefully a podcast, we're going to have some interviews coming out soon. Um, I just recently spoke with the commissioner of a brand new football league, the WCAF, the West Coast Arena Football League, and they that will be coming out soon next week. Um, then we're also having an interview with another college football player, uh, formerly from U of A, and he is now in the transfer portal. So that's going to be a really fun one. So just keep her tuned. Best way to find everything, www.thefourthandlong.com, or you can go follow us on Twitter, at 4th Radio, or Instagram, at 4th Radio. But without further ado, let's get on into things. All right, week seven, that Thursday night game, it was a banger of a NFC East matchup. We all know the best division in sports, without a doubt. Uh, we had the Giants take down the Eagles with the Eagles edging out uh, the man from New York, 22-21. to We have Carson Wentz. He might be finding his groove. He might be finding his groove. Don't quote me because it's Carson Wentz, so he'll flip-flop week to week. Um, the Eagles have faith in him one week and then completely lose every single shred of faith in him the following week. And then we're just going to see Jalen Hurts the rest of the season. But hey, he had a good game this week. You know, 360 yards. A um, couple touchdowns, interception, looking good with that one. And now, I think the crazy thing is, though, on the other side of the football, Daniel Jones is now, for the fourth week in a row, the Giants' leading rusher. Ever since Saquon Barkley went down, it's been all Daniel Jones on the ground. And, hey, sometimes that's a knock. Overall, it is definitely not your quarterback. I mean, I hope I'm not saying anything breaking, but your quarterback should not be your leading rusher for consecutive weeks. But he had four carries, 92 yards. One was a giant of a run. Almost had a TD there, but we all know it. Right around that 15-yard line, uh, you know, that white line on, on the field, it, it really just jumps out at you sometimes. Trip that. Um, it was either that. Might have been a sniper somewhere in that stadium, but he trips, and he missed out on touchdown but the funny thing is on this rush he reached 21.1 miles per hour now if we're talking other quarterbacks and the fastest that we've seen the quarterback up until now was Lamar Jackson at just 21 miles an hour so going off of what we've seen so far Daniel Jones is the fastest quarterback in the league I mean, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't know what to tell you. Um, but next, we had the um, Lions at the Falcons. The Falcons taking this one 23-22. Or, sorry, the Lions taking this one 23-22. Because the Falcons 
I blow another one. This was this game was not we ever take tank bowls. We ever injury bowls. This one was the choker bowl, and we had the Falcons choking it once again. I mean, now this season they've blown four games where they've had a ninety nine percent chance of winning. Four games, ninety nine percent chance of winning. Absolutely ridiculous, and I am I'm. I don't know, man. I don't know. You you can't make this up. You really can't. The, the Falcons just can't hold on to a lead. And even worse this week, yeah, you, you might have lost on accident because Todd Gurley tried to fall before he scored the touchdown with a minute left to go in the game. But he ended up rolling into the end zone. And... <laughs> How? How do you mess up like that? Also, I my favorite picture that I've seen so far this NFL season was you had the Lions celebrating that Todd Gurley scored in motion that it was indeed a touchdown. I 2020, ladies and gentlemen. I think that's all we can. You, that's the only way to sum it up. Um, but I mean, Todd Gurley he scored accidentally with a minute to go, and then the Lions drive down the field and score a touchdown as time expires. And it is weird how in the battle of two chokers, I guess one team by default has to come up clutch. And that just happened to be the Lions this week. Um, next game, we had the Browns at the Bengals. The Browns taking this one 37-34. And we had the Browns looking good again. But also, it was against another bad team. Um, the Browns score with 11 seconds left to go in the game. Uh, Beeple's Jones gained a nice touchdown right there to seal the deal. And both quarterbacks with a bounce back week. We had Baker Mayfield, about 300 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. We'll have more on Baker Mayfield later in our buy or sell segment. Don't you worry. Then Joe Burrow, on the other hand, arguably a better performance. 400 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. He, um, it was good to see both these guys bounce back. More importantly for Joe Burrow, because he's a guy with more invested in him at this point. And there's a, I, I will not hesitate to say that there are more people rooting for Joe Burrow than there are people rooting for Baker Mayfield. I don't think that's anything but fact. But the thing is, I mean, we all know that defense is a problem for the Bengals. They're a bad team. Obviously, defense is going to be a problem. Obviously, they're going to do something to fix it. They're not a contender this year, so it's not as big of a deal. But the Browns, on the other hand, they are a contender. They have to have a better defense if they really want to do anything in the playoffs. Or at least when I say they are a contender, at least they might be a contender. In their eyes, they are. There's no one in the Browns organization that really thinks that they are. So the Browns are really going to have to tighten things up on the other side of the football. It seems like things are fine offensively, but I would be worried with how many points they're giving up, especially giving up points to bad teams. Moving on, we had... What felt like it, it, it took like a whole season to get to this game. We had the battle on the beans. We had a game that was pushed back a number of weeks. Steelers at the Titans. But the Steelers are the ones that walk away victorious and remain the last undefeated team in the NFL. They took this one 27-24 as Gotzkowski misses yet another field goal as time expired. This one is time expired. Um, Man, I... I can't imagine. Imagine if Goskowski had that god-awful game against the Broncos to start the season, and he missed 
that game-winning kick. I think uh, he wouldn't have a job at this point, especially after he misses this one to tie it. He would not have a job. But the Steelers remain undefeated in spite of Big Ben, though. Big Ben, 260 yards. He had two touchdowns. But he really had a hard time keeping the ball with his team. Three interceptions on this game. And now the Titans have a good defense. Not as good as the Steelers, but it's a solid defense. But you, it, it's never justifiable to give up three interceptions. Um, but at the same time, if we want to talk about the Titans, their offense. Um, last week, I had big praise for that Ryan Tannehill-Derrick Henry duo. And now they became the first duo in NFL history to amass 30 touchdown passes and 2,000 rushing yards, respectively, in 16 games. So that is money very well spent for the Titans. I said that last week. I'll continue to say it this week. Those That is the best quarterback, running back duo in the league, and it's not close. Next, we're moving into some NFC South rivalry action. You know, always love the good divisional matchups. We had a few of those this week. We had the Panthers at the New Orleans Saints with the Saints walking away victorious 27-24. This was a really competitive divisional game. Um, it was even on both sides of the football. Defenses played really well. Um, quarterbacks had similar numbers. Running backs and receivers, comparable numbers as well. Unless you are the Carolina Panthers' DJ Moore. Because this man has just been on a tear and this week was no different. Four catches, 93 yards, and a couple tutters to cap that off with. And he is clearly, clearly Teddy Bridgewater's number one wide receiver. That's, uh, it's a really good safety net that Teddy's had. And it's really the only way he's been able to push the ball downfield is with DJ Moore. So Moore is becoming vitally important to the offense. I don't think there are too many people saying that before the season. But Teddy Bridgewater needs him to stay competitive. And he might need him a little less now that we see Christian McCaffrey returning to practice. I am unsure how much they're going to be putting him back into that offense. We will see later in the week if they um, talk about it all. We'll see, especially on Sunday. Um, but I, I still definitely expect DJ Moore to carry a heavy load on that offense. But the, at the end of the day, the Saints escape with a, must, with, with a much needed win. This was probably a must win. You can't lose these divisional games, especially now with the Bucks. We'll get to them, but they seem to be really kind of firing on all cylinders. So the Saints are going to have an ongoing battle throughout the season to keep pace if they want to make the Bucks or if they want to even win the division. Moving on, we had going to the MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. We had the New York Jets um, taking on the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills coming out of this game 18-10 with the dub. And I don't know if this was this game wasn't really too much to, to write home about. We had the Bills winning an ugly game over the worst team in football. Uh, Josh Allen, his struggles kind of carried on from last week in their loss to the Chiefs into this week. Um, he has he has yards. He had about three three hundred or so yards, but he had no touchdowns on the game, and that's kind of bad, especially when you're going against that Jets defense. You only put eighteen against the Jets. That's not a good week, and that might be an understatement, but that is not a good week. The Jets are a team you should be able to practice stuff on. They're a team that you should be able to um, reduce your playbook to really simplify it. And just to run your bread and butter plays really well and focus on execution. 
and the Bills just weren't able to do that. And I would be a little bit worried for that. That could be a cause of a little bit of concern. Maybe just some hangover from their loss to the Chiefs last week. But we'll see what, what happens in week eight for them. And then on the other team, we had Sam Darnold. With yet another stinker of a game. I mean, 120 yards, two interceptions. It doesn't matter if you have Adam Gase as your head coach. No matter what, that is an unexcusable performance. And right now, it seems either Sam Darnold sucks, either Sam Darnold needs to be traded away and get the hell out of New York, or he's just going to be one of the, of the biggest draft butts, busts in recent history. And I could say that without a doubt. If he stays on the Jets, he will not have a career. And now, Cowboys Nation, supposedly America's team, every single year, I've been saying this last few weeks, oh, they're back. Every year, they're back. Every year, it's always something new with the Cowboys. It's always something new with their fans, trying to have something to look forward to for the first time since 1990s. The Cowboys are, in fact, not back just like the other texas team that plays collegiate football they are not back as they get embarrassed by the washington name redacted they lose this game 25 to 23 and it was never close the cowboys were doomed from the start with a nice little safety and also it doesn't help that you know you're now starting quarterback andy dalton got knocked unconscious by a blatant cheap shot from the um, football team's John Bostic, who was later ejected for that. I mean, uh, Andy Dalton going in for a slide, gets totally headshotted. It was ugly. He was he was straight up out. I thought I was watching UFC for a second. It was really bad. And then you even had Mike McCarthy. A lot of uh, NFL pundits over the week have been talking about the, the lack of um, Cowboys players standing up for Andy Dalton. Yeah, Mike McCarthy speaking on that. And I do agree. It was weird to see them not try to back their guy up. It was really confusing. And so it's like that Cowboys team doesn't care about Andy Dalton. And now they're stuck with a guy named Ben DiNucci, who apparently was a really good quarterback for James Madison. Just wasn't asked to do much up there. This knowledge I got recently by um, other guy, Alex Kropp, who will be making his appearance. Um, You'll be hearing his voice sometime soon. Um... Once again, and then on the other side of football, I mean, yeah, Kyle Allen, he plays fine, uh, but obviously you're not going to win games based on Kyle Allen's arm. They did it off the run game this week. Tonio Gibson, 120 yards, nice touchdown right there. They just beat up on the bad Cowboys team, a bad, bad Cowboys team, and we'll get to Mike McCarthy a little later in the show. Moving on to our next game, we had the Texans playing at home and hosting the Green Bay Packers. And you all know what happened. The Packers are bouncing back, and that Aaron Rodgers revenge tour is back on schedule. The Packers win this game 35-20 in a battle of some really fun quarterback play. If there's one game over the weekend, maybe besides the Sunday night game between you know Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, the game to look out for was going to be Deshaun Watson versus um, Aaron Rodgers, and they did not disappoint. But the thing is, the Packers got to a early 21 to nothing lead, and they were never in any trouble. You know, almost 100 yards from Rodgers, four big time touchdowns. Devonta Adams with a couple scores there, 
And the problem for the Houston Texans has not been their offense. Their offense has been fine. Deshaun Watson has been playing great. The problem is with their defense. A defense that's averaging 31 points per game. You can't do that. I mean, Deshaun Watson can only do so much. He can only make so many stupid scrambles. He can only make so many nice throws. He can only do so much with Will Fuller and, and, um, and, and Cooks. So they got to figure something out. J.J. Watt, you know, he can't carry that defense on his own. They're going to have to do some building. It's not going to be this year. It's not going to be through free agency. They're going to have to build long-term through the draft. And this season, unfortunately, it's pretty much over without a defense. Uh, the Texans aren't going to be doing much. Um, I kind of hope I'm wrong because I love what I see from them. It's going to be the Colts in that division, 100%. And the Texans, like I said, they just need to look to the draft, look to next year, and start building that defense back up while maintaining what they have on offense. And they will be a really good playoff team once they're able to do that. Our next game was Tom, the Tom Brady-led Buccaneers at the Las Vegas Raiders in the big ass black Roomba that sits in the middle of that Las Vegas desert. The Bucks take this 45 to 20. Um, that Brady led offense has been really good all season. They've been consistent. I mean, Brady puts up almost 400 yards this game, four touchdowns, and he's second to only Russell Wilson in touchdown passes this season. Now, I'm not going to lie. That does annoy me. That does annoy me. Now, I don't hate Tom Brady as much as I have in the past uh, m most importantly because he's not with the Patriots I feel like as a as a football fan I hate the Patriots in that dynasty more than I hate Tom Brady himself but I really hate Tom Brady just because he was he was a piece he was a piece of that Patriots so you can't like them you, you can't like them at all you can't like anyone associated with them especially Julian Edelman hate that guy uh, but I digress Tom Brady He's been fun to watch with the Bucks because that there's a lot of meshing parts there. I mean, we didn't know if Tom Brady and Bruce Arians were really going to work together. But apparently, they were doing just great. And now they've even added Antonio Brown, which is a whole other story on its own. We'll see where that goes. But right now, the Bucks are looking good. Um, I mean, surprising no one, though. The Raiders defense has been losing them games this season. Um, and, and there are three losses. They've given up 36, 30, and 45 points. And like the Houston Texans, you can't do that and expect to win football games. It's as simple as that. Now, staying in, um, going with the Raiders, staying in the AFC West, we move to AFC West Divisional Matchup, our first snow game of the season up there in Denver, Colorado. The Chiefs at the Broncos, and the Chiefs win their 10th straight over the Denver Broncos, blowing them out 43-16. to And the Chiefs really just exposed every single flaw in Denver's team. I mean, they, they scored, the Chiefs score on all sides of the football. Very nice 102-yard kick return. They had the pick six. And, of course, they're, they're going to be scoring offense. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire still playing very well. And it's going to be really interesting to see what his touches look like, whether they're going to say about the same whether how much of a, a hit they're going to take once Le'Veon really starts playing for them in games. That's going to be a story to watch. I hope it doesn't affect them too much because Edwards Alaire has been a very fun talent to watch, even though he's on the Chiefs and it hurts me. But he's a really good rookie, you know, out of LSU, man. And so he's been fun to watch. Le'Veon Bell, of course, is fun to watch. 
had a couple really good passes out of the backfield or catches out of the backfield this game. I just want to see how this goes down the road. Um, and Drew Locke, he's looked iffy the last couple weeks. You know, four interceptions over two weeks of football. And I don't know if I'm sold on him anymore as the quarterback of the future. He's going to have some ground to make up. I know we've only seen him in like eight games. It's been eight games. We had to give him more of a chance. But right now, I am not feeling easy if I'm a Broncos fan. Uh, it just seems like he has trouble seeing the field. And it's also hard to see him step out of clean pockets. But for Denver, you want to see a positive. Garrett Bowles, a man that is notorious to Denver Broncos fans. A man that a lot of people love to hate and a lot of people love to, to, to trash on. Most importantly, because you have been completely valid in doing so the last couple seasons. As I swear, he, he seems like he has a holding penalty every game. and he's. But ever since, Drew Locke took over last season. And now into this season, Garrett Bowles is Pro Football Focus's number one graded tackle with a score of 92. 92.2, something like that. And so Mike Munchak has been doing wonders for this young tackle. And it's looking like a guy that they want to trade away or even cut. Looks like he's going to be a cornerstone of that offense. If you're Denver, look forward to that at least. Our next game, we had the Niners at the Patriots over there in Foxborough. And would you know, the 49ers take this 33-6. Now the Niners just really embarrassed the New England Patriots this, uh, this week. Really, really bad loss for the Patriots. I mean, the second worst loss in the Bill Belichick era. It was the first time that the Patriots have lost three in a row since 2002. That's 18 years ago. 2002. Now, isn't that just a really stupid stat? I mean, Bill Belichick has been good for a while. But 2020 has not been kind to him. Um, also has not been kind to Cam Newton. He's benched. He was benched in third as he throws his third interception of the game. He finished with 98 yards, just looking god awful. And there's there's now a quarterback controversy in New England. There's a lot of people saying that it might be time to bench Cam Newton if the Patriots really want to try to make a move at the playoffs. We'll talk about that in our buy or sell segment. As of right now, the Patriots, like I said, in our preseason um, preview show, going to week one, I did not have the Patriots making the playoffs, even with the expanded seventh team added for this season. And they are not playing like a playoff team. The Dolphins are more of a playoff team than them right now. And they are going to have to fix something. But if we want to talk about the Niners to finish off, this wasn't a revenge game though for Jimmy G, though. There's a lot of people saying, oh, how's Jimmy G going to respond first time back in New England? Eh, he he didn't do good. I mean, the Niners relied on the ground game. It wasn't the passing game this week. Jimmy G, 277 yards. Sure, that's fine. Cool, almost 300. But two interceptions. No touchdowns. That's awful. But if you want a positive for them... Jeff Wilson, 112 yards, three touchdowns. A man that a lot of people around the country didn't even know uh, who he was until this week. He really performs for them. But since it is the 49ers, you can't have anything nice because he gets injured. He leaves the game and his 
availability for the um, upcoming weeks is in the air at this point. Shout out to 49ers because you guys really just can't catch a damn break now, can you? All right. Next game, we had the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Los Angeles Chargers. And the Chargers take this one 39-29. We had the battle of the young quarterbacks, but we already know who's the better one of the two. Now, I'll give you a hint. It's not Gardner Minshew. Justin Herbert with another four-touchdown game, 350 yards, three touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and he now joins Patrick Mahomes as the only other player in NFL history to throw for 250 yards in his first five starts. And now the Chargers' playoff hopes are still alive. Another thing we'll get to. Um, but the problem is they just need to stop choking, okay? Their record, I mean, 2-4 is not great. It doesn't know they choked half those losses away. They just need to fix that one up. And they... If they can get past the choking, imagine they should beat the Bucks too. That would have been a statement win. And 3-3 three three would be a lot better right now, especially win over the Bucks. That holds a lot of weight at this point. The Chargers are a good team, but and, and we'll, we'll get to them later. But on the other hand, the Jags might be in trouble. As I talked last week, I said Doug Marone should be on the hot seat. And if he wasn't on the hot seat, then... He's definitely on it now. I mean, and then Gardner Mitchell, another pedestrian performance. At least he didn't turn the ball over. But Doug Marone, probably a guy that's not going to have a job with the Jags at the end of the season. Um, I think that's safe to say. And I think if, if we're really trying to be proactive about this, I think you fire him now. I do think you, that you fire him now. Moving on to our Sunday night game, though. It got flexed, and thank God it did, because this was one hell of a game. We had the Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals, and would you believe it? The Cardinals take this game 37-34. The Cardinals are 5-2. Don't look now, but they're in prime position for a playoff spot. And who was saying that at the beginning of the season, that they were going to make the playoffs? Do believe that was me. But uh, we had the Cardinals, you know, huge divisional win at home, um, especially in that highly competitive best division in football, the Aves, the NFC West. Russell Wilson with the worst, the worst game of of the season so far, though. Three interceptions. Imagine seeing that. Russell Wilson, I think, had three interceptions on the season, has three of them in one game, and one of them came in overtime, and that ended up setting the, up the game-winning field goal for the Cardinals. And it's this poor defensive play of the Seattle Seahawks that finally catches up with them as they lose their first game of the season. Their defense is averaging, giving up 25 points a game about. And they've only won one, um, one by more than one score twice this season. And that was against the god-awful Falcons and the not-as-bad-but-still-not-good um, uh, Dolphins. So that defense is really going to have to tie things up. I mean, Jamal Adams can only do so much for you. They need to fix that, and they need to fix it quick if they really want to win that um, MC West, if they want to make a run and really aim for a Super Bowl this season. And now, I mean, with this too, the NFC West now has three teams with five wins. Of course, the Seahawks, Cardinals, and the Rams. Niners not there yet. Whereas... We go from the best 
division in football to the worst division in football. The NFC East has seven wins total between the four. Three teams with five wins to seven wins total. (laughs) If that doesn't, I know we keep on hammering this. I know we're beating a dead horse at this point, but it really is remarkable just how bad the NFC East is. I think it's historical. It has to be. They're going to set a record for for sucking this year, guaranteed. Now, to finish off this season's act, this week's action, we had the Bears taking on the Rams in LA on our Monday Night Football game. The Rams taking this twenty-four to ten, and they really just dominate in both aspects of the ball, in both sides of the ball. Their defense plays lights out for the Rams, and their offense does well. Um, especially against a good Bears defense. Goff does his part. A couple touchdowns. Ride their solid defensive performance to a dub on Monday night. And then the Bears offense is just absolutely stagnant. They're averaging only about 19.5 points a game this season. And now you got to think, who's to blame? Who's to blame? Do you blame the players? Do you blame the coaches? Do you blame the strength of the opponents? Do you blame all three? Do you blame the mix of them, uh, of a couple of them? And at this point, you're going to have to blame Matt Nagy and his staff because it seems like the, the play calling is suspect. It, it, it's their offensive scheme that's suspect. And it looks like they haven't really developed anything over the past few seasons. And it's just not looking good right now. There's That Bears staff might be something that needs to be changed, if not offensive coordinator. The head coach then, Matt Nagy. Warm up the hot seat, man. Put on the butt warmers because it is starting to get a little warm right there in Chicago. And then I really think the MVP of this game. What did they say? It's all about, uh, it's all about you know positioning, especially for the defense. It's all about yardage. It's all about ball supremacy. And there's nothing. There's no man that can do that better. Uh, about you know um, field supremacy, then the punter for the Rams, Johnny Hecker, five punts that game, all five of them inside the ten. Now that is just straight up for the brand, and punters are underrated. Punters underrated. Field position is huge, and if you have a punter that constantly puts teams inside their own ten, constantly has to have drives of ninety plus yards. That's going to win you football games ultimately, and especially come playoff time. That's really going to bode well for you. But that's our recap for the week seven uh, slate of action of the NFL. So let's get into our segment. I've been um, alluding to some of these points throughout the recap, and let's get into our buy or sell segment. So, of course, those that don't know, I will give you five statements, and it's up to us uh, whether to buy them. Or sell them. And let us know what you think, whether it be on Twitter, whether it be in the comments on our YouTube edition of this, whether it be in the video of this, or best one of all, you go to our Apple Podcast, Fourth Along on Apple Podcast, and you leave us a five star review with your um, responses to this, whether you buy or sell some of these set, um, statements, or just your overall opinion on this. So the first statement I want to give you guys is that it is time to bench Cam Newton. Buy or sell it. I'll let you guys give you a second to think about this. Because the answer is really quite simple. You sell this. You sell this 100% of the time. If you buy this, don't. You make a huge mistake. Because 
Cam Newton might not be playing well. But what do you think? Brian Hoyer is going to do better? What do you think? Jared Stidham is going to do better than a former league MVP? No. Cam Newton is always, as long as Cam Newton's on your team, especially with the Patriots quarterback room, he's your best option there, and you always play your best option. And then also, on the other hand, a point that Alex brought to me while we are talking about this um, pre-show, Cam Newton, he's on the one-year deal. He's on the one-year contract. So if you're Bill Belichick, you might as well get your money's worth. You might as well just run him into the ground. There's no point in not playing him right now. And you and Sell this. Sell, sell, sell. Next one, though. Mike McCarthy is going to be a one and done there in Dallas. And if you've been listening to the past two, three weeks of this show, you'll know that I've been souring on Mike McCarthy. I've been calling for his job pretty much. So that is why I'm going to buy this statement. Mike McCarthy is going to be out of Dallas this season, if ended, either before the end of the season. Um, typically, the Cowboys are classy with that, and they just wait till the end of the season. It's not like they're a playoff team anyway, so I don't know, might wait. Uh, at the same time, I'd rather just fire him now, get it over with, and start to rebuild early um, before we even get to the offseason. And then you might need to take the rest of the staff with him. I do like Kellen Moore, though. Kellen Moore possibly has a future in this league as an offensive coordinator. But no one is going to thrive under Mike McCarthy. At least he's not Jason Garrett. At least he's not clapping all the time. But he's it, it's the same coach, though, because you're not winning football games. And, and so that that's the thing. The Cowboys had a ready-to-win team, and Mike McCarthy just in, isn't getting the job done. It's time for him to go. Next statement is that Baker Mayfield is back, and he is legit. And, I mean, last week I brought up the point of when will it be time. I didn't say that it was time. But I brought the, the question of, I just proposed a question. When will it be time that we start to consider Baker Mayfield as a bust? Compared to, you know, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel right there. It's going to be soon. I, I will say that. It, he has to be a little more consistent, though, is the thing. And although he did have a really good game he's never really been able to perform at least this season and recently against good teams when it counts. Yeah, he can show up against the Bengals, but almost anyone can show up against the Bengals. So I, I, I really just don't know about this guy. And I'm selling this statement. As of now, I am selling the statement that he is back. And then to kind of go off of this, so another statement is that he is better without Odell Beckham Jr., and I did run the poll on our um, on our Instagram and on our Twitter, and a resounding majority of you, about 54%, so it was a close vote still, so about 54% of you guys said that he will be better now that OBJ is out for the season. And with that, I'm going to have to agree with our fans because it, it's hard because when you have a guy that is a diva in the wide receiver one like Odell Beckham Jr., you're going to be looking for him first every single time. But that's not always a good thing, though. It, it When you just look for the first guy and not actually go through your real progressions, that's going to limit the offense. That's going to make it easier for the defense to, to key in on the receiver and to cover the, the right guy. So that's going to be a detriment to the offense, ultimately. So I think I, li I like this. I mean, I don't like Odell Beckham Jr. getting injured. Don't get me wrong. That's not good. I hope he gets back as soon as possible, nice and healthy, because he's a fun guy to watch. 
But at the same time, this is going to open up a lot more opportunities for Jarvis Landry. This is going to open up more opportunities for the younger receiving core. Also, you know, that one guy, Austin Hooper, the man that you made the highest paid tight end in NFL history, of course, before the George Kittle t um, contract. You might actually be able to start to use him a little more now. This is going to help balance out the offense. It's going to help balance out the passing attack. And ultimately, this is going to be good for Baker Mayfield. Second to last statement is that the Bucks are the best team in the NFC at this point. And I'll let you guys think about this one. Because my answer for you is I am going to buy this statement. As of right now, they are the best team in the NFC. Because you got to look at their competition. They're the two teams that could compete with them. Are the Seahawks and are the Packers. Maybe the Cardinals, but I'm not sure about that yet. The Cardinals still have like maybe another game or so to really prove it to me. It's their, their consistency that I need to see. So, would the Bucks beat the Packers? They already did. And so, I have to take that into consideration. That's why I don't think the Packers are better than the Bucks. As of right now, will they be? Sure, they have all the potential to be, but as of right now, no. Then the other game, the other team, would the Bucks beat the Seahawks in a head-to-head -head matchup, everyone's healthy, at a neutral site? And I want to say yes, because as I talked about in the Seahawks-Cardinals recap, is that that lack of defensive productivity for the Seahawks has been is caused to them now and it, it really led to their downfall and I think that'd be the same way for the Bucks. that offense is really starting to click who knows AB a could really open up that offense he might also just be nothing we'll wait and see on that but I would take the Bucks over over the Seahawks in a neutral side game as of right now so that's what I'm going to go with on by the statement that the Bucks are the best team in the NFC at this point now, the last statement of the week is that the Los Angeles Chargers are a playoff contender. And you might say, hold up, man. Uh, let's talk about these Chargers for a sec. They're 2-4. and four. I mean, they, they have losses to the Saints. They have, they have lost to the Bucks in the game they should have won. Lost to the Panthers. Lost to the Chiefs. And I got a counterpoint to that. They beat the Bengals in the game they should have won. That's really ugly game in week one. But they still win. That was also with Terod Taylor as a quarterback. They now beat the Chargers with Justin Herbert. He, and then look over the last like four weeks. Justin Herbert, five weeks. Justin Herbert's been amazing ever since he stepped in uh, to play the Chiefs. They should have beat the Chiefs. They um, played a bad game against the Panthers. They were up big against the Bucks, and, and they had a really close game against the Saints. These guys are playing playoff contenders. And they're being competitive with them. And especially in the AFC West, where the Chargers could easily end up the second best team in that in that division over the Broncos and Raiders. Not going to be better than the Chiefs, but they'll be. They could easily get second place. Then throwing that there's a seventh team making the playoffs this year too. The the Chargers are only six games into their season. Two and four is not a a deficit that you can't overcome. The Chargers are a playoff team. I'm going to buy this statement. And as long as Justin Herbert keeps it up and as long as that defense stays producing, they're going to be a good team this season. And they have a lot of promise. A lot right on the shoulders of that young man, Justin Herbert. But I think as of what we're seeing right now, he can and he will deliver. But that's going to do it for us uh, for our buy and sell. 
Like I said, let me know your thoughts and opinions on this. Would love to hear what you have to say. Now to wrap up this show, of course, we got you our power rankings. Then just to remind you, our week seven power rankings um, from five to one, we had the Titans, Steelers, Chiefs, Seahawks, and the Ravens. And now our week eight power rankings, we've seen quite the shift, quite the shakeup. And like how last week's was kind of boring, this week's is far from it. Because starting us off at number five, we had the the Seattle Seahawks. They fall three places. They go from second to fifth because they lost to the Cardinals. And the teams, teams about them looking good right now. The Seahawks, I, <sighs> that defense scares me. The offense is really good. And Russell Wilson is probably not going to throw three interceptions in another game this season. But that defense scares me. They need to get fixed. But as of right now, still top five. Number four, we have the Ravens. And unfortunately for them, they were in the bye week this week when all this went down. So it, it, it was hard. It, it was a toss-up kind of between three and four for me this week. But the Ravens, they do move down three. They move from one to four. But they could easily get um, back up on the list depending on how they come out of the bye week and how they look in week eight. That's still up to see. But it's really just because of these top three teams now. Because third, believe it or not, I have the best team in the NFC. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're the third best team in the league as of right now. Now, will they keep this up? That's a big question. Are they a team that could really win in cold weather games in the playoffs in January, in February? That is yet to be seen. But as of now, they are third, and I'm comfortable with saying that. Second best team in the league going into week eight is the Kansas City Chiefs. They've only lost one game this season, and that was a weird loss to the Raiders, but they've really kicked things up. It was a really good team win in Denver. Um, their offense clicking, their defense doing pretty much shutting down the Broncos, and the special teams. Special teams, when defenses are it, it is stalemate, when offense is stalemate, it's all about the battle of special teams. Special teams can win you football games. And theirs really showed up on Sunday. And that team is looking good. They move up a spot. And they take the number two position this week. Now the best team in the National Football League. Week six, they were the fifth best team. Week seven, they were the fourth best team. And this week we have the last remaining undefeated team of the NFL, a team with a good offense, really good defense, arguably the best in the league. The Pittsburgh Steelers are your number one team in this week's power rankings. So to recap from a five to one, Seahawks, Ravens, Bucks, Chiefs, Steelers, and the Steelers moving up three point three positions to the number one spot. Now, how long will they keep that? Don't know. They could very easily lose it this week, but they can just if they win, they're still probably going number one. We'll see what they can do with that. But that's going to be it for our power rankings. Let us know what you think. Like I said, the best spots, Twitter, Instagram, um, and then you go to our website, leave comments on there, or you can go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review on that one. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for our Week 7 recap this week. Thank you so much for sticking with us to the end. We appreciate all of you so much. And then, like I said at the beginning of the show, keep an eye out for a couple of interviews coming out with Commissioner of a brand new football league with a nice, uh, really good college athlete um, from um, U of A, now at the transfer portal. 
Um, we got some UC stuff, big stuff from UC 254. Habiner Megamedov retiring. Just insane stuff right there. Um, the Anderson Silver's retirement fight coming up on this Saturday for Halloween. And then hopefully another podcast goes out. And then we'll get Alex's voice back on here soon. Then also, last plug of the week. It is getting colder. And we've been mentioning this for the past week or so. So it's just about sweater weather. So on our Teespring, shout out to them. We have now released our fourth and long hoodies, crew neck sweaters, and our long sleeves. So go check that out. Everything will be linked. Also, you can just go to, once again, www.thefourthandlong.com. And you can click on the apparel page and be taken right to that website. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us this week. It has been a blast once again. NFL Week 7 was crazy. I'm sure Week 8 is going to be nothing less than um, what happened this week. But until then, check out their other stuff. Keep an eye out for those interviews. And we will see you in the next one.